entire season that I think has, there's probably never been, at least in my memory, a Christmas season that this, the, this line was more applicable and, and helpful. And it's the, uh, it comes from one of my favorite carols, which is, It Came Upon a Midnight Clear, that glorious song of old. And that, song, that, that carol describes the, the message of peace that Christ brought to the earth, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And the, the intention of God to, to settle once and for all the issue of sin and destruction. And while that settling hasn't been completed yet, there's still an awaiting that's happening. The coming of Christ marked God's purpose to settle this matter for good. And then that carol goes on to describe how all of these years have gone by since that time and still thousands of years later, men still aren't listening to that song. We're still not hearing it. And my, the line that stands out to me from that song that's been rolling around in my head this year is, hush the noise, you men of strife, and hear the angels sing. Hush the noise. This year has been so noisy. I mean, pardon me, I'm still getting mixed up. Last year was so noisy. 2020 was a disaster in so many ways. And we contributed, we contributed to that by our response, oftentimes, because we got so bogged down by the noise of strife. We saw it in, especially in politics, and we, we all were influenced by that in one way or another. We saw it in our families and the way that we had to change our plans and not be able to do the things we wanted to do. We saw it in the way that we grumbled and complained about the situation in our life. All of us saw it. The noise of strife was abundant in 2020. And my prayer for 2021, as we read through Psalm 95, is that we can truly learn the message of peace that Christ brought to the earth. And we can hush our noise of strife. And we can sing the song of peace. And I think, really, that we're empowered to do that when we understand and really believe and let live in our lives the message of this psalm. This psalm comes with a beautiful message in the beginning and a pretty stiff warning at the end that both relate to this idea of letting God be God. I was thinking this morning um, through all of the turmoil that's still going on in the world, 2020 is over but the spirit of 2020 lives on and I was just thinking this morning that the universe isn't a democracy. God isn't elected. We don't get to vote. God is God. The only question is are we going to let him be God? Are we going to submit to him as God, or are we going to try to keep taking things and manipulating things and worrying about things? Because worry really is just a form of manipulation, isn't it? We think that maybe if we worry hard enough, we can change something. Um, we're trying to control God. God is God. Let's let him be God. Let's read the 95th Psalm. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great king above all gods. In his hands are the deep places of the earth and the heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. 
Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness when your fathers tested me. They tried me, though they saw my work. For 40 years I was grieved with that generation and said, It is a people who go astray in their hearts, and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. My prayer is that we will be a people who are marked by trusting God, not by antagonizing him, but by trusting him by believing that he's sovereign, by not taking on ourselves the burden of worry and fear, but living in freedom and peace, because that's what Christ came to bring to us. And I'm very thankful for that. It's good to be here again this morning to see all of you, um, and, and we love you very much. Um, Brother Tom, senior, would you pray for us this morning, please? Good morning. Savior. Jesus is Lord. Jesus never fails. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is interceding for me at the throne, and he's coming back pretty soon. Glorious news. And in the meantime, the meanwhile, the glorious gospel is penetrating a dark and sin-cursed world, the hearts of men. Happy New Year. We would invite you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Colossians, the fourth chapter. We'll just read a few verses here of Paul's appeal to the church at Colossae for prayer and witnessing. Colossians, fourth chapter. <clears throat> Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds, that I that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. I want to use verse 5 in this chapter for a text this morning. Walk in wisdom toward those that are without, redeeming the time. I look back over 2020, I probably didn't make the best use of my time that I'd ought to. So I want to improve on that in this year. And if I would have 
read Paul's instruction to the Ephesians, he enlarges on this just a little bit. He said, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools. And to walk circumspectly just simply means to have the whole sphere of my walk guarded and guided with caution and also to have it guarded and guided with discernment as I live this year redeeming the time. So he goes on to say redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be not unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And the only way to redeem the time then he says is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Last week, we had a Sunday school lesson that impacted my heart, and that's what led me to this verse this morning. And to summarize that lesson, it was simply to radiate the gospel message, radiate the joy of Jesus, radiate the freedom that we have from bondage, and that we could expect that the natural man would not understand the spiritual things of God. But to go ahead and sow the seed all the time and let the Holy Spirit increase the kingdom. So my encouragement this morning to us is just to keep witnessing for Jesus Christ. Walk in wisdom toward those that are without redeeming the time. We spoke here a couple times in the past about wisdom, about the source of wisdom, about how wisdom is obtained. And today we were going to title our message, Wisdom Applied in My Daily Walk. But I think I'll just shorten that up and put the title like this, Walking in Wisdom. Walking in wisdom. Before we go there, I'd like to think about the value of wisdom for just a moment. There's a lot of places in scripture that explain some about the value of wisdom. I'm thinking about uh, what the writer of Proverbs says. He says that wisdom is better than rubies. And all things that may be desired are not to be compared with wisdom. And then he follows with that in a chapter or two later. And he said, how much better is it to get wisdom than to get gold? Now think about that a little bit. It's probably been about 17 years ago. Shirley and I had the privilege to get on the ferry at Bellingham, Washington, and go up through the intercoastal waterway. And uh, as we boarded that ferry one afternoon in Bellingham, a colorful group of characters got on that ferry. Some were walk-on young people, and they occupied the top, the ceiling, clear on top of the top deck of that 
ferry for most of the voyage, they put their pup tents up there, and that's where they stayed. The next couple floors of that uh, ferry were mainly occupied by people that drove their vehicles on to the ferry. There were observation rooms, there were recreation rooms, there were a place for lodging, there were kitchens and dining rooms, and there were offices for staff and so on. And then on the lower deck is where the cargo went. And on that lower deck there were everything from a small minivan like Shirley and I had to a fully loaded 18-wheeler. And there were a lot of them on there. And among the cargo that went on, there was a couple of men that we talked to that came on with a truck, and they had their truck loaded full of mining accessories. They'd left their life in the lower 48 to strike it rich. And you know how most of those ventures go. They're just a pipe dream. They never materialize. But you know, if, all of, if, those, if those two men had possessed all of the gold in Alaska, you know what the scripture says about that? It says that that would be a pale shadow to the riches of wisdom. Just a pale shadow to the riches of wisdom. Walking in wisdom. So why, why is wisdom so precious? Uh, I got a homework assignment for you. Deuteronomy chapter 4. I'd like for you to study that chapter. And uh, just a, a very brief overview of the first few verses of that chapter say that wisdom gave the ability for Israel to be a wise nation and represent God as they walked with God to other nations. And I'd like to submit to you today that we are to walk in wisdom and the wisdom that God gives us to walk in gives us the ability as a church to present Christ to the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so wisdom I like the thought in our Sunday school class this morning. Christianity is more than head knowledge. Wisdom is more than an intellectual experience. It's a walk. I have a grandson that is employed by the Department of Agriculture in Palmer, Alaska. The state does a lot of their testing and crop recording there. Hank is a pretty much a hands-on employee. He's been in agriculture in one form or another since he was a very young teenager in a lot of different states. In, a, in America, and he's done a lot of different kinds of farming. So he is employed 
out in the field. But the most of those folks that work for the Department of Agriculture in Alaska are learned men. They've got degrees in agronomy. They have a lot of intelligence. They're smart people. But you know what? They've not got a clue when it comes to hands-on. My point is here that unless wisdom is applied in my walk, it has done me very little benefit. Wisdom knows and wisdom does. Walking in wisdom. For an outline this morning, I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles over to the third chapter of James. We're going to pick our outline up from this chapter. You'll remember that the most of this chapter is about me controlling my tongue, harnessing the words that I speak. We want to get our thought for <clears throat> our outline today on walking in wisdom from the last couple verses of this chapter. This is wisdom that God gives us. Verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace to them that make peace. Excuse me, but I'd like to have a little water, please. <clears throat> Wisdom from above. First, pure. Let's think about that a moment. Pure. Pure in thought. You know, uh, Jesus taught like this. He said the pure in heart are the ones who are going to see God. Now, let's just do a little test. Just since you've come in here this morning, <clears throat> how would you like to put all your thoughts that you've had up here on the wall for everyone to see? I wouldn't like to do that myself. And you know, sometimes even those thoughts are not my own. You know, I'm convinced that Satan can put thoughts in your mind. But you know, it's kind of like a bird that lands on a branch out here. It doesn't have to be there long enough to build a nest on that branch. So it's up to me to replace that thought with a pure thought. Wisdom is walking in purity of thought. Let's see how that's applied. If you will turn in your Bible to Paul's letter to the Corinthians, second letter, 10th chapter. Second Corinthians 10. Let's just read just a few verses together here from this 10th uh, chapter, start out verse 4. This is how wisdom is applied in purity in our thought pattern. For though, 
For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. I like the words that David wrote. He just simply said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Let's think about purity and motivation. I'm going to turn to the book of Psalms here again, and I'm going to read just a few verses. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Testimony of the Lord sure, making wise the simple. The statues of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes, and the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever, and the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And then he says, this is the motivation from that, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Purity of motivation. Now, We've got purity of thought, purity of motivation. Let's think about purity in action. Jesus said that whosoever hear his sayings and would do them, he would liken him to a wise man that built his house on a rock and it withstood the rain and the floods and the winds. So that is applied, Peter says, this way, seeing that you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unveined love for the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. And that was the message that Jonah gave us this morning, that we have the same love as much as we are able to that God has for us to other people. Well, after wisdom is first pure, then it is peaceable. Walking in peace. You know, we could go to a lot of places. I thought about a lot of the epistles, but uh, I think I'll stick with the season we've had of celebrating the birth of Christ. You probably had greetings, Merry Christmas. Seasons, greetings, happy holidays, and etc. And I thought about Brad's opening here. You know, the, the, the angel with the multitude in rejoicing made a proclamation like this. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And I am instructed to let the peace of God rule in my heart. Am I at peace? How about my relationships? My relationship with God. My relationship with my fellow men. My relationship with my children, my siblings, my parents. You know, I don't think, probably that the peace of God can rule in my heart until I have peace with God.
Relationships are pretty fragile. And you know, I would submit this to us, that probably the most fragile relationships are the people that are the closest to us. The rest of this proclamation says goodwill toward men. You know, if I have any ill will toward anyone, I can't have peace. So I would like to encourage you that if you have any rifts at all in relationship with any of your family, any of your siblings, any of your children, your parents, do everything you can to make peace. Life is too short not to. Wisdom calls us to peace. And I guess this is the bottom line question. Does the Prince of Peace rule in my heart? Does he reign there? Not only is the wisdom from above pure and peaceable, it is gentle. You know, it's wisdom to have the virtue of gentleness in our character. You know, it's just, it's not really so much what I say to you, it's how I say it, isn't it? You stop and think about that of the people in your life who you would consider gentle. You probably don't remember just what all they told you, but you remember how they said it, don't you? Gentleness. When circumstances in life unfold, do I react in harshness or do I respond in gentleness? You know, a few years ago we were with a, with a group of people and um, there were some, also some young people that were selling some products among those of us who were in that group and there was a there was an older man there that uh, bought one of those products and he paid two or three times the amount that should have been paid for that product and one of the younger people in the group kind of chided him for that and said, well, why did you pay so much for that? And he said, well, he said, the man that sold it to me is happy and I'm happy. Wisdom will call me to gentleness and joy in encounters in life that are not fair. That's the way it'll be. There's going to be some times when life is not fair at all. Will I respond in gentleness? <coughs> Wisdom also calls us to be easily entreated. Be easy to be entreated. How approachable am I? Do I entreat others with wisdom? You know, I think about the time in the Gospels when Jesus spoke concerning himself. He said, men are going to entreat me spitefully. They're going to mock me, spit on me, scourge me, and crucify me. And yet, in the midst of that suffering, you notice how easily Jesus was entreated. The man that hung right beside of him 
that pleaded with him, and he said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Walking in wisdom. How easy is it for me to be entreated? You know, I had the privilege of uh, meeting with a group of men one time a month, all day long, 11 months out of the year for almost 11 years. Maybe a little over 11 years. And you know one thing that inspired me the most? These were men of a lot of wisdom. And they all had some of their own ideas. But through those meetings, when it was all said and done, everything was blended, and I can't remember one time when there was any harshness through those meetings. And my point is that what impressed me the most is that all of those men who met together walked in wisdom, and they were so easily to be entreated. How approachable am I? Am I walking in wisdom? Wisdom is, walking in wisdom is full of mercy. You know, God pleaded with his people through one of the prophets. And he said, uh, here's what I require of you. That you would do justly, that you would love mercy, and that you would walk humbly with your God. And Jesus recorded words like this. He said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. When I think about how great God's mercy is to me, how can I not extend that to others? And yet I don't all the time. You know, one chapter that we read probably as often as any in our public service here would be, a portion of Matthew 18 kind of through the center there and I, I would like to encourage you to go home and study the whole chapter particularly about the part where we left leave off on through the end of the chapter and then I'd like for you to ask yourself this question does the follower of God Show, wisdom, show mercy to others as he walks in wisdom because he has to or because he wants to. Walking in the wisdom of mercy. And good fruits. The wisdom of walking bearing good fruit. We don't have time to go there, study Galatians 5. There's another psalm that reads like this, Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. Is God my husbandman? Am I attached to the true vine? Am I bearing fruit, more fruit, much fruit? Am I walking in wisdom? Wisdom is not being partial. 
what it says here the next thing. It's without partiality. You know, Jesus taught us that his Father, our Father God, is not partial. He said the sun's going to come up and shine on the good and the evil both the same. He's going to send rain on the just and the unjust. He is not partial. I think about a sermon that Peter preached. He said, God is not a respecter of persons. But he said, in every nation, he that feareth God and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. And when Paul instructs Timothy on the responsibility of leadership, he says, I'm going to charge you before God, before Jesus Christ, and before the angels that you practice what I have instructed you without partiality. Wisdom is not being partial. You know, today, freedom has afforded us the luxury to focus on our differences in practice and application. I'm going to say that again. Today our freedom have, has given us the luxury to focus on our differences in practice and application. You know, I think in harder times, we're not going to focus on our differences. We're going to focus on our likenesses and our oneness in Jesus Christ. Let's bring the illustration right to us. Let's suppose that Shirley and I and a half a dozen of you folks, families that live here at Cornerstone, were sent out somewhere here as a mission point. What's going to be my mission at that mission point? Will it be simply to present the gospel of Jesus to whoever comes? Or it, will it be to make Dunkard brethren out of the people that come? A brother I know pretty well and his family stopped at a rest area and they were going up the sidewalk toward the buildings and there was a black woman coming down the sidewalk toward the parking lot. She was a joyous woman. She was singing a hymn, a jolly person. She got to the brother and his family and she paused in her hymn and in her walk down the sidewalk and she said are you Amish and he said no he said you're Mennonite and he said no she said you're Quaker and she didn't give him any more opportunity even to say no she says well it don't matter what you is in Jesus we're all going to the same place I want to say this, 
The Bible is full of commandments to obey and principles to keep. But I would like to see what the Bible says about this black woman's theology. She left that brother, started up right where she left off with the hymn, and went right on down the walk. I'd like for you to open your Bibles to the first book of Corinthians that Paul wrote, to the 12th chapter. And I want to see what the Bible says about this black woman's theology. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, we have all been made to drink into one spirit. This morning we started out studying in Galatians. If you will, turn to Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as, as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male or female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah! All one in Christ Jesus. The bottom line is this. Either I'm a Christian, completely sold out, or I'm not a Christian. And that's the way it's going to be. And I think that's the way it's going to be for very long. It's not going to make any difference where men have put a bunch of lines for denominations. I'm either going to be a Christian sold out and I'm going to love you or else I'm not going to be a Christian. Am I walking in wisdom? Wisdom is without hypocrisy. Really, we've probably already pretty well covered that. Am I real? Am I genuine in the faith? You know, if I claim to love God, and say that I know Jesus Christ, and then I begin to share him like a bull in a china closet, have I really been converted? Am I walking in wisdom? You know, if I don't possess what I profess, my witness for Jesus Christ fails. Am I walking in wisdom. I wanted to go back to a chapter that Deaton read to us last Sunday as we had some of the Christmas story explained to us. And we'll not turn there, but you'll remember that as Matthew started out his second chapter, 
The first few verses talk about wise men who went to Jerusalem after Jesus was born. And there's two points of those verses that I want to impact your heart this morning. Wise men seek Christ and wise men worship Christ. Wise men seek Christ and wise men worship Christ. For a benediction verse this morning, I want to leave this with you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Lord bless you in your walk of wisdom in this coming year. Maybe we could have a hymn.